we're gonna look at four different things from Joshua chapter six. These are not steps that you take. They're kind of like last week. They're not things if I do one plus one plus one plus one, then I'm going to get everything that I want. Because what we can often do, and, and maybe it's my fault, I'm, I'm open to that, but the challenge that we can sometimes face is we want to kind of figure out the formula of God we want to kind of turn God into a vending machine and say, if I push this right combination at the right time in the right way, then God will do what I need him to do. But we want you just to remember, this is a part of the message, but just something to remember, that God is not a formula to be solved. It's not a formula to be solved. It's a relationship to cultivate. It's, it's that we, I, I'm not trying to put in the right code. If I go to church and if I attend church three weeks in a row and then I do this, then God will do all the things that I want him to do. That's, that's not God. God wants to have that connection. God wants to have that relationship. God wants to have that communication and intimacy with you. And so when you hear these four things this morning, don't think of them as, okay, I've got to do step one, and then when I've kind of gotten step one, then I'll do step two, and then all the walls in my life will be broken down. That is not what we're trying to do. These are just principles for you to consider when inevitably you come up against a brick wall in your own life. Now, in Joshua chapter 6 is a story that you have almost certainly heard at some point or another. If you grew up in church, if you grew up in Sunday school, even if you haven't, you've heard this story at some point. It's Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. And so that's where we're going to be today. Before we dive all the way into it, let me just give you a couple little asides. Number one, I happen to believe that this is a real, literal event that happened in history. I don't think that they're telling a, a fable to get a point across. I think I have enough faith to believe that this is a real, literal event that happened. And so you can just judge for yourself. There's some interesting, you can Google it, there's some interesting archaeological evidence that this is a, a real thing that happened. The other thing that people wrestle with, and it's a, it's a really good question to wrestle with, and a really kind of a big struggle for people, in Joshua and Judges, which is the next book of the Bible after this, there is a tremendous amount of violence, a tremendous amount of bloodshed. It gets really, really gritty. And so some people push back against that, and they think, well, how do I square this, the bloodiness and the grittiness and the violence of the Old Testament with what I see in the New Testament where Jesus is so loving and so generous and how do I, those just seem polar opposite. Did God have a personality change? And we're not gonna go into that today, but we are gonna see a little bit of violence at the end of our study this morning. But if you wanna dig into that, and if that's a question that you wrestle with, it's actually a really, really good question. It's a really important question to recognize. Let me just introduce a couple resources to you. Number one, if you, if you like to read, there is a book called, Is God a Moral Monster? Is God a Moral Monster? It's written by uh, Paul Copan, I think is his last name, or Copan. And he's got four chapters exactly dealing with the violence and the bloodiness and the, the struggle of, of killing people. And we're going to see a little bit, four chapters in that book. If you don't have time to read a book, but you're still wrestling with that question, go on to YouTube, because everybody loves YouTube. And if you just type in YouTube, if you type in Canaanites, which is who we're going to talk about today, Canaanites and Frank Turek, or cross-examined. He's an apologist, and he goes into these questions, and you can watch a seven-minute video, and it really kind of answers some of those really, really important questions. And so as we dive into it, 
hopefully it will add some value to your life. Those were just kind of all introductory things. But what do we do? What do we do when we face up against walls? What do we do when we're moving along in our life, minding our own business, think we're doing the right thing, and all of a sudden we, we find these walls? Here's four principles that maybe you can put into your back pocket. Hopefully they'll add some value to your life. The first one is this, that God's goal is trust, not just triumph. God's goal for you, God's goal for me, God's goal for the Israelites was not just this extraordinary, extraordinary victory. God's goal for them was that they would trust God. Because if God's ultimate goal was just for the Israelites to triumph over the Canaanites, he could have just blinked his eyes and everybody would have been wiped out. But he allowed the Israelites, we're going to see, to walk around the city over and over and over again. Why did God not just wipe him out on his own? Why didn't he just snap his fingers and take care of it? Well, because God's goal for your life and God's goal for my life is not that we just walk in these huge victories that God just takes care of all of our problems, is that we learn to trust him. We say, God, even though I don't necessarily understand what's happening, I don't understand exactly how this is going to work out and why are you calling me to this, I'm going to trust you even when I don't understand because trust is evidence of, of relationship. Again, we said it already. God doesn't want to be a formula that you solve. He wants to be a relationship that's cultivated. He wants to have that connection with you. And trust is always evidence of relationship. When you have a relationship with someone, there's trust there. And that's what God wants for your life. God's ultimate goal is not for you to be a good church attender. God's ultimate goal is for you not to memorize a bunch of Bible verses. Those do not necessarily automatically equal trust. That can be part of it. But you can never miss a church service and still not trust God. You can never miss a Bible study and not trust God. God wants our trust so because he knows. I mean, when I call them to start or stop or move, they're going to obey me because I just, I trust that God loves me. I trust that God has my best interest in mind. So here's what Joshua chapter one, or six, verses number one through five. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But uh, the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. And so You've got the victory. Well, God, why, why didn't you, if you've already given it to us, why don't you just wipe them out? Why do I have to be involved? I've given it to you, Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors, but you've got to go do something. I'm not just going to do it all for you. God's not going to solve all your problems for you. He wants to get you involved. He goes on and he says, you and your fighting men, you've got the victory. Now go do something. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. That's a terrible battle strategy. If, if, if you're going into battle, this is not what you would think, this is exactly how we're going to win. I mean, this is how all the great armies have done it. They just took a walk and everything got taken care of. No, that doesn't make sense on its face. But what was God interested in? He was interested in trust. I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. I want you to move in the direction I'm calling you to move, even when from the outside looking in, I, that doesn't make sense. Seven priests are going to walk ahead of the ark, we're gonna talk about that in a second, each carrying a ram's horn on the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give the one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. What does God say? Hey, I just want you, I just want you to trust me in your life. When you are facing up against things that you wouldn't have picked for yourself, battles that you're having, challenges that you said, man, I, I don't understand why I'm going to, what's God's main purpose for you? Just keep trusting. It's easy to trust God when life is good. 
I mean, it's easy to trust when everything's working out and money's in the bank account and the relationship is good and the marriage is good and the job is great, everything's fine. Well, it's easy for me to trust God then, but when I, when I face a, a wall, when I'm stopped dead in my tracks, when I get laid off or I didn't get the bonus or everything's breaking down or we're not getting along and all the hell seems to be breaking loose, that's when I discover, do I really trust God or am I just using God as a means to an end? Do I really trust God enough to say, I'm going to do what you're calling me to do even though it doesn't make sense? Or is God just kind of my genie in the bottle that I bring him out when I need some things? Walls reveal things about us. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs. You maybe have this on your frizz. Trust in the Lord, not just, not just in part of your life when it all makes sense. But no, trust in the Lord with all of your heart on the days where you just, why would I do that? Why would I be generous? Why would I apologize? Why would I forgive them? Why would I go in your direction? That doesn't make sense. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. This is what we are invited to as a follower of Jesus, not just to be a good church attender, but to be a, I'm just going to trust you. That's how the Israelites won the battle. When the author of Hebrews, there's Hebrews 11 is called the great chapter of faith, and he reads, reads all, or, uh, lists all of these people that did extraordinary, extraordinary things, and he references Jericho, and he says this, it was by, it, why, why did the walls come crashing down? That's the end of the story, by the way. I don't want to ruin the end of the movie for you, but by the way, the walls did come crashing down. Sorry if I ruined that for you. But why did the walls come crashing down? Well, it's our word right here. It was by faith. Not, not because they were so skilled. Not because they just had such an extraordinary battle plan and they couldn't be defeated. Not because their army was way bigger than the Canaanite army. The reason that it was taken down was because of faith, trust in your life. How, how's your trust level? You're probably a great church attender, but... That's a great start to faith. It's a great start to trust, but don't leave there. God's invitation to you, God's invitation to me. I just want you to trust me because trust is always evidence of relationship. Here's the second one. Man, if God doesn't lead, don't proceed. I love a good rhyme. You know that. If this is your first time here and you keep coming back, you're going to hear me rhymes. I'm basically a rapper. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, I'll tell you my rap name later. Uh, but if God doesn't lead, don't proceed because sometimes we said at the beginning, Sometimes in God's mercy, he will erect a wall or he'll, he'll put some breaks on your life and we can get so frustrated and we can say, man, I really want to go in this direction and so we can just zoom right on past God. Sometimes the walls that you're facing are, are not things that you're supposed to go around or go through. They're actually God's mercy saying that's not the direction for you. That's not the relationship for you. That's not the career for you. That's not the job for you. And he will allow some challenges and put some things in our path so that we don't have regret on the other side of it. And so you've got to decide before you try going charging into that wall, is God leading me? Because a wall does not necessarily mean that you're out of the will of God. Challenges do not necessarily mean that this is not God's will for your life, but it could. And so you've just got to take some time, slow down a little bit. If God isn't leading the way, don't try crashing it down. Don't try to outmaneuver and outmanipulate things. If God doesn't lead, don't proceed. Verse number six, it says this. So Joshua called up the priest and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant. Now, this was where God's presence lived. God lived at that time in the Old Testament before Jesus had come. 
God lived at the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. God's presence was confined. God was confined to this one area. Thanks be to God, we live in the New Testament era where God's presence is here. It's at your house. It's at your work. It's at the ball diamonds. But they said, listen, we can't go into this battle if we don't take God at the front. God is, is leading the way. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, follow them, essentially. We're, we're not going to go if God's not going with us. We're not going to make this thing happen on our own. We're not going to out-army them. God is leading this, and so we're going to follow. If God doesn't lead, don't proceed. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. And after Joshua spoke to the people, the seventh priest with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns, and some of them behind the ark with the priest continually blowing the horns. In other words, in, in your life, Man, as you are making choices, as you're deciding, what, what kind of career should I have? And what should we do with our money? And I'm, I've got this big life thing, and it feels like there's some, some breaks. I feel like there's some walls in my life that's stopping me. The question you've got to ask, is God leading me here? Is God leading me to overcome this, or is God leading me to stop this? Is God leading me into a battle so that I can have some victory? Or is God in his mercy saying, this is not the direction for you. You need to know. How do I get to know if God is leading me? It's a trust thing. It's, it's, it's time. You spend time with God. You, you say, God, I want to be led not by my emotions, not by what I feel, not by what everybody else is doing. I want to be led by you. A couple years ago, Brandy and I had an opportunity to start a branch of, at that time we had our, our donut shop, we had the opportunity to start a branch in, in Colby. And we talked to some realtors and we talked to the bank and everything looked awesome. And it was going to be a financial windfall. We were going to make so much money and everything was coming into place and the banker was excited and the people that wanted to sell the property, well, they were excited and people that we had talked to, it was all, it was all coming together. And so we wanted to just charge ahead, but there was just something in us that says, no, that's not the right move. We're like, wait a minute. That's, the money makes sense. We've got the staff to do it. We've got this to do it. It's all going to work out. But there was just something inside of us that says, no, that's not the right direction. On the outside, everything looked perfect, but there was just something in our hearts that there was just this red flag. No, no. Little did we know, just a few months later, we'd be selling the whole operation and if we would have had that it would have made it so much more difficult i'm so grateful every time i drive past the place that we were going to buy in colby i am so grateful god thank you for preserving me thank you for leading me into something that i didn't know i needed to be led away from it felt in it felt so right it looked so right but there was just this little catch in us this isn't the right time this isn't the right avenue. You need to be willing to listen to those little catches. Those are God's mercy. That's God's spirit saying, wait, 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 wait. It might not be forever, but just for right now. How many of us have regrets that we can look back on and say, I wish I would have listened to that little still voice inside of me. I could have saved some time. I could have saved some money. I could have saved some regret. I could have saved all sorts of heartbreak if I would have just stopped and waited and listened. If God doesn't lead, I'm just telling you, it's for a reason. 
And you might not know what the reason is right now. When we were doing all the numbers and all the math, we had no idea what was coming down the pike. But God knew. God knew where he was leading. And so it was up to us. God wasn't going to force us to do something. We could have busted right through that wall. But it would have been without God leading the way. Moses said it this way. Moses was Joshua's mentor, the person that, that Joshua took over from, and he said it this way. This is just like my life prayer. You should get this into your life. If you don't go with me, don't make me go. That's exactly what Moses is saying. Hey, if you're not going, I'm not going. If you're not leading, I'm not going. If you're not going to lead the way in this marriage, then I don't want to go. If you're not calling me to move out of here, then I'm not going to do it. I know it's difficult, and I know it's hard, and the easy way out would be just to leave him and get a divorce and say, I don't care. But I got, I don't want to take the easy way out. I want to take your way. I don't want to take just what seems right on the outside. I want to be led by you. Financially, it seems like this all works out, but there's something inside me. God, if you're not leading the way, I don't want to go. If God isn't in it, I don't want to pursue it. I'm not going to live based on my feelings. I'm not going to base on what just feels right in the moment. I'm, I'm led by God. My mom has this beautiful way of saying it, just be led by peace. Just be led by peace. What's, what's peace? Where's peace taking you? And you can ask that. God, give me peace for this decision. And until I have peace about stopping or starting or going or moving or whatever, until I have peace, I'm just going to stay right here. Until I have peace, I'm not going to make any changes. I'm not going to make any decisions. I'm going to let peace guide my way. If God doesn't lead, please, please, please do not proceed. Here's the third principle. is this. The evidence of obedience isn't always obvious. The evidence of obedience isn't always obvious. I, I would love it if I just... You know, on day one, I do exactly what God calls me to do. And on day two, I just have this wonderful breakthrough. On day one, I do exactly what God has called me to do. And on day number two, I get the miracle that I needed. But unfortunately, we don't live in a, a microwave society. And God isn't in a hurry like we're in a hurry. And it's the evidence of obedience that oftentimes we want. I want the results. I've came to church three weeks in a row. Why isn't things working out for me? I've started doing some things. And why isn't it happening? The, I'm just telling the evidence of obedience isn't always obvious. Verse number 10 is where we're at. Do not shout. Don't even talk. Joshua commanded not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. And then shout. And so the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. And then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Nothing happened, in other words. They just went for a walk. And when they got up the next day, you know what the walls of Jericho looked like? Exactly the same. That walk did absolutely nothing. And so Joshua got up early the next morning. And the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the army of men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All the time, the priests were blowing their horns. And on the second day, they marched around the town once and returned to camp. It's not very satisfying, is it? Like, wouldn't the great story be I marched and then everything happened? I took my little walk and everything got taken care of? No, they walked day one, nothing. Went to bed. Got up, did the exact same thing. Day two, okay, this is the day. I, I did it two days in a row. Surely we're going to at least see some cracks in the wall. Nothing, nada, not a single thing. 
You're just going for a walk. And it is important to get 10,000 steps a day. That is an important part of daily life, and I'd recommend it to you. But it's, it's just, it's not helping. We're just walking, and they follow this pattern, not for three days or four days. Six, now, how many of you would get discouraged on about day five? This guy. Because I'm like, man, I mean, I love a walk, but this isn't, this isn't working. And people are just looking down on us. And what in the world are they doing? Now, we know the end of the story. You, you, you know that eventually these walls are gonna come down. But you don't know the end of your story. And I don't know the end of my story. I, I just know this is what God's called me to do today. And sometimes what God's called me to do today does not have any results today. And sometimes what God's called me to do today doesn't have any results tomorrow or next week or next month or even this year. And so the temptation is, well, this isn't working. I'm just going to give up. Can you imagine, though? What if, what if on day five, about halfway around the wall, they would have said, nah, nothing's happening. This, this isn't doing a single thing. We better go regroup and get a a different battle plan. They wouldn't have seen God's hand at work. If they would have stopped short on day six and said, no, this is worthless. I mean, what a waste of time. They wouldn't have seen God's hand at work. And I just wonder in my own life, how often have I shortchanged what God has wanted to do because I just, I get a little impatient. And I'm an idea man. If you get to know me a little bit, I love an idea. I mean, I can idea, I can out idea anybody. Like, well, go to my house, and you will see so many half-done ideas. Anybody else have half-done ideas in their house, courtesy of their husbands? Thank you, Keith. Nice to see you. Uh, I love an idea, and I get so impatient. I get so excited about the start of things, and yes, we're going to do it. You know, it's the New Year's resolution thing. This is the year, but then, boy, it just, I don't see the results quick enough. I don't see the evidence quick enough. The evidence of obedience isn't always obvious. This is not satisfying, and this isn't going to be anybody's life verse, and nobody's going to get this tattooed on them to remember, but this is just true, is that God's timetable is not our timetable. And again, that is so unsatisfying. Like, what a bummer. Like, I, I love a drive through I pull up, I put in the order, God, I need X, Y, and Z, and pull up to the first window to get payment, pull up to the second window, it's all taken care of. I, that's how I want God to act. But it's, that's my timetable, it's not his timetable. And so my job is, I'm just, I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. If God's calling me to walk a lap around the walls, that's what I'm going to do. Well, what's the evidence that that's even working? There is no evidence. But it's just, I just know that this is what God is calling me to do. Well, you've been doing that for four days. I know, but it's just, it's just not doing anything. But I know that this is what God's called me to do. Paul in the New Testament said it this way, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, look at that word, you will always harvest what you plant. My friend Keith is a, is a farmer. Imagine if Keith was to go out into the, the field put in his seeds, and the next day go out and say, well, that didn't work. Nothing happened there. We just as well plow up this field and try again tomorrow. You, everybody would say, well, Keith, you got, you got to give us some time. 
You got to give some time for some roots to develop. And eventually, if you, if you put the right fertilizer and you put some water, there is going to be a fruit, but not on day one and not on week one and not on month one. You've, I mean, it's months and months and months. And that's what he's saying. Listen, you will harvest what you sow. Now, there's good and, and, and bad of that because sometimes we think, well, I'm disobeying God and there's no impact in my life either. I'm doing what I know isn't what God wants me to do, but my life seems fine. I know that this isn't God's best for me, but, you know, doesn't seem to be having any impact. Well, you, if, if Paul was telling us the truth, you will eventually harvest that. He goes on and he says this, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, I obey, in other words, well, uh, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest, not even tomorrow or today. He's talking about eternity, everlasting life from the Spirit. So, in light of that, he says, don't get tired of doing what's good. And that's just a word for some of you today. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. Go ahead and take another lap. Or take two laps and take seven laps and, and just keep obeying. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep doing what you know God is calling you to do. And you just, again, we, it goes all the way back to the beginning. God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust that my obedience is planting some seeds and eventually I'm going to reap a harvest from that. And so, Lord, in the meantime, I just, I need some patience. I need some patience to keep doing one foot in front of the other at just the right time, not on my timeline, but at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if you go ahead and go seven days worth of laps. The, the Israelites weren't getting the walls knocked down with six and a half days. Yeah, I mean, they had 95%. No, it doesn't know. They had to do the whole thing. Then they didn't know where they were at in the process. The same as you don't know where you're at in the process, but... You just know to obey. Miraculous events, miraculous events often start with ordinary obedience. Uh, miraculous things that God, only God can do, most often start with not God doing this amazing thing out of the blue. I mean, that would be great if that's how God worked, but most of the time it's my obedience coupled with God's sovereignty that brings about miraculous things. And so it's just my ordinary obedience. Man, I'm not, Kyle, I, I, I'm not where I thought I would be at this point. Okay, I get that. But just take one more step. Take this next step in the right direction. And maybe your step, maybe your step is to be patient. Maybe, listen, maybe some of your step is to stop. Maybe some of your step is to slow down. Maybe some of your step is to, I'm going to choose to forgive them. I'm going to choose to say, God, I'm going to stay in this marriage even though it's hard and even though it doesn't seem to be getting any traction and even though things don't seem to be working and it's not been a month that it's been bad or three months that it's been bad. It's been a year, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay obeying. I'm going to keep moving in your direction. I'm going to trust you that eventually you'll bring that harvest that you promise. Here's, here's the last principle that we're talking about today, and then we're gonna pray over some kids. Get connected to people that are going in the right direction. Get connected with people that are going in the right direction. In jo uh, Joshua chapter two, you could have read the story for yourself if you want to. It's a great story if you go back. Some spies come in to figure out what the deal is with Jericho. Rahab, a prostitute, hides them and tells them here's how to escape and all these things, and she makes them promise, hey, make sure 
that when you come and attack the city and, and kill everybody in the city, because of what I did for you, I want you to spare me and my family. And you can read the story. It's really a wonderful story. And we see the evidence of that here. But on the seventh day, the Israelites got up and dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around as the priest sounded the long blast on the horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. And Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed. It gets pretty gritty. This is that book we were talking about as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and others in her house will be spared for she, she kind of switched teams. She decided to get in with, with God's people for she protected our spies. Don't take any of the things said apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. That's gonna happen in the next chapter if you wanna read it. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver and gold and bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord. You gotta bring that into the treasury. And when the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. You can read the rest of the story for yourself, but Rahab just decided, man, I, I think the way that my people are going is not the way the people should be going. The, the Canaanites, they, 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 there was child sacrifice involved. There was unbelievable things happening in this city, and Rahab had this change of heart, or she said, man, I think the God of the Israelites is the true God. She had a change, and she said, I'm, I'm going in a different direction, and God in his mercy, he spared her. He, he decided, this woman, everybody else is going to get destroyed, everybody else is going to get killed, but this woman kind of turned towards me, and so I'm going to be spared. The same is true in our life, is that, that man, you can be in the same place with people and go in different directions. You, you can be kind of connected with people, and you're in the same environment, you're in the same office space, you're in the same sports team, whatever it is, but you're going in two separate directions, and you, you need to decide, and I need to look around and say, man, are the people that I'm closest with, are they walking in the direction that they should be walking in? Are the people that are, I'm letting influence my life, are they encouraging me? Are they speaking God's life into me? Or are they, they tearing me down? Rahab, she escaped destruction, and not only that, she ended up an extraordinary, extraordinary, miraculous turn. She ended up in the bloodline of Jesus himself because she just got connected with a different group of people. Here's what Proverbs says. Walk with the wise. What's gonna happen to you? You'll become wise. You've seen that happen sometimes in your life. You've also seen this. Associate with fools, what's gonna happen? Every parent knows this. Every parent, you tell your kids that you haven't used these words, but you know that this is true. Associate with fools and, and get in trouble. And so the question that you have to wrestle with is where are the people that you're spending time with taking you? Are they encouraging you? Are they lifting you up? Are they building you up? Are they speaking God's word into your life? Or are they just ripping you down? Yesterday, Brandy and I, Brandy's birthday's on Tuesday, Tuesday, and uh, we had the most wild week last week, unbelievable week, hospital stays, and it was just chaos. So yesterday, we kind of did an ultra extra fast trip, just Brandy and I, to Colorado, she wanted for her uh, birthday to walk up the, the Manitou Incline. We did it last year, and so we did it again, and uh, I can barely walk up and down stairs this morning because my calves are so sore, uh, but it was a great time. We had a wonderful, wonderful time, had a great hike, and spent a little bit of time in Colorado, but um, your boy almost fell down the mountain. 
I, I, I tripped a little bit and, uh, you know, a little gravel and, and down I went. And, you know, it was okay and everything. But, but here's, and again, you know this. This is so obvious. You don't need me to tell you this. It's just a silly little illustration. But it was way easier to fall down that mountain than it was to walk up that stupid incline. Way easier. Way easier. It took no effort for me at all to fall down that mountain. It took a tremendous amount of effort for me to walk up 2,786 steps up the incline. In your life, in my life. And again, if you're a parent, you know this. You've told your kids this. You just sometimes forget it as an adult. It is way easier to get associated with the wrong people and for them to just drag you down, drag you into their habits, drag you into their morality. It takes almost no effort. All you've got to do is kind of let go and down you go. It takes a lot of effort to make the right choices. It takes a lot of effort to move in the right direction. It takes a lot of effort to add good habits into your life, but it is worth it. Walk with the wise, you'll become You'll become wise, and you'll never know what God might do with your life. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is alive, and it speaks to us, and it impacts us. Lord, I'm praying that for all of us, that we would hear exactly what you're saying. Lord, for some of us, we need to develop a relationship of trust with you. We've, we've come, and we've done the spiritual thing. We've checked boxes off off and, and went through the motion, but we've never fully trusted in you. Lord, I'm praying that we would take that step of trusting, trusting, trusting in you. Lord, I'm praying for those that right now are facing those walls. I'm praying that they would be patient enough to know, is this where you're leading me? Lord, as people are making decisions, that we would say, if you're not in the lead, then I'm not going to proceed. Lord, I'm praying for those that are getting tired of obeying they're just getting worn out. They don't see any results. They don't see any fruit. Or I'm just asking for the fruit of the spirit of patience in their life, that they would choose day after day, I'm going to obey you, trusting that eventually I'm going to reap a harvest if I do not give up. And Lord, I'm praying that we would all take an assessment of the people that are speaking into our lives, the people that are pouring into our lives, that we would be people that build others up and are built up by others. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.